Good morning and welcome to Bloomer Baptist Church. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We continue today with our series in the book of Ephesians, Building a New You. This is a bodybuilding guide for Christians. This book is about building up the body of Christ. Please once again turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Chapter 1, there's three focus on the theology of the Christian's life, the blessings and privileges. Chapters 4 to 6 focus on the church's responsibility. Yes, as Christians and the united universal body of believers known as the church, we have both great blessings and great responsibilities. This is week 3 of this book study, and we continue today with week 2 of a great worship song by Paul, a doxology, a song praising the Lord. In Paul praising God for the recipients of this letter to witness, he praises all three parts of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can learn from this. He praises each, but each for their specific blessings upon God's chosen people. We also see in this section of verses 3 to 14 that God has blessed his people in choosing them and redeeming them to display his glory and is preserving them in order to display his goodness to the world. The faithful must rejoice in his work. As you turn, let me read that again. In verses 3 to 14, this long sentence here, God has blessed his people in choosing them and redeeming them to display his glory and is preserving them in order to display his goodness to the world. The faithful must rejoice in his work. We see this throughout this section. Last week we looked to the blessed, the blessed and the blessings. We looked to Paul celebrating the Father, God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was celebrating the election, predestination, being an adopted son of God, an heir to the kingdom of God. God chose you before the creation of the world. But today we continue with this great worship song of Paul. As we see in verses 7 to 10, or 6b to 10, the blessed, blessed, and blessings now to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for we are redeemed through him. Today we see Paul continuing the celebrations in what has been referred to as one of the longest Greek sentences in the New Testament, verses 3 through 14. Paul started a letter. But he could not get past the introduction without getting so excited about what he was going to tell his audience that he burst into praise of the Lord. Before we go further, let's read. We're start at verse 1 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. Please follow along in your own Bibles. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavishly lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, 
which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, despite this being one long sentence in the Greek, we focus today on verses 6b to 10 as we break it up for easier digestion. Here, Paul switches from celebrating the past blessings of election, the Father, to a celebration of the present, redemption, and its future effects through the Son. Yes, today. Today we celebrate with Paul, the Son of God. We celebrate Jesus Christ. We celebrate our Lord, our Savior, because we are now in the beloved, Ephesians 1, 6b. We too are now beloved of God, Romans 1, 7. Let me say that again. Because we are now in the beloved, in Christ, we too are now beloved of God. The Father now loves us as he loves his son Jesus and wants us to have everything Christ has, everything he wants his children to have. Because we are identified as his by faith, we have great blessings of the goodness of God. Today we celebrate with Paul that through Jesus we have, one, redemption, two, forgiveness, three, riches of his grace, and four, spiritual discernment, wisdom, and knowledge. Please listen as I read just this section that we'll be focusing on once more. He has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Number one, we are redeemed. We are redeemed through the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, our Lord, our Savior, Christ, the Messiah. Paul does not mix words here. He does not hide his meaning in this statement. He says it quite bluntly for all to understand. That, I quote, in him in Christ. We have redemption through his blood. Now there's a story I found which helps us to understand this. It's said to be a story which has captured and informed young imaginations for years, and it goes like this. In a city on the shore of a great lake lived a small boy who loved the water and sailing. So deep was his fascination that he, with the help of his father, spent months making a beautiful model boat. This boy, he began to sail this boat at the water's edge. And one day, a sudden gust of wind caught the tiny boat and carried it far out into the lake and out of his sight. Distraught, the boy returned home inconsolable. Day after day, he would walk the shores in search of his treasure, but always in vain. Then one day, as he was walking through town, he saw his beautiful boat in a store window. He approached the proprietor and announced his ownership, only to be told that it was not his any longer. For the owner had paid a local fisherman good money for this boat. And if the boy wanted the boat, he would have to pay the price. And so the lad set himself to work, doing anything and everything, until finally he returned to the store with the money needed. At last, holding his precious boat in his arms, he said with great joy, you are twice mine now, because I made you and because I bought you. I repeat, 
you're twice mine now because I made you and because I bought you. I find it quite ironic that Paul here in this scripture celebrates his salvation and being redeemed to God through Jesus the Son. Because I believe that just as Paul celebrates God, God and his angels celebrate us, welcome us coming back to him. God desires his children to come back to him. God desires an intimate relationship with his children. And God gives us the opportunity through Jesus to cry out, to proclaim Jesus as Lord and trust in him as Savior and be redeemed. This story shows us that God is like this boy in saying, you are twice mine now. I have made you and I bought you. We are like that sailboat that we're made and then we float away with the waves. But God finds us in the store window and God gives us the opportunity. God sent his son Jesus to buy us back, to pay the debt we owed, to pay our sins. But notice, back to the notes here, notice we are redeemed. It's not that just, just that Jesus, that God found us, said, yep, there they are. I know where they are. I'm just going to let them die in their sins. No, we are redeemed. It's not that we hope to have this. It's not that we dream to have this. In him, we have it already as a possibility. We have it already. If you're a believer in Christ, you are already redeemed if you trust in him as Lord and Savior. And listen to how he describes it in Colossians 1, 13 to 14. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. The price was Christ's own blood. The object was our souls. And the shedding of the blood of Christ is meaning not just a drop of blood, but the very death of Christ, which is the penalty or price needing to be paid for our freedom. All humanity was slave to sin and powerless to self-deliverance. We could not save ourselves. We could not deliver ourselves back into the eyes of God as righteous. But Christ has purchased his church, his people. He has paid the price for us. When we were spiritually bankrupt, broke, and condemned as sinners, condemned to hell, Jesus Christ came to our aid and paid the ultimate price for our freedom with his life. In the ancient world, a person's freedom could be bought. The price could be paid so that their life could be removed from a book of slavery, of ownership by a master, to be set free and live as they pleased. Jesus has paid the price so that we could be set free and no longer be slaved to sin. And we were not purchased by perishable things like silver, gold, cash, or coin, but with the precious blood of Jesus you are redeemed. The scriptures repeatedly support these ideas. Jesus himself in John 8, 34 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And then 1 Peter 1, 18-19 says, for you, know, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as a silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We read on in Hebrews 9.12, says Jesus, entered the most holy place once for all 
by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. And then Mark 10, 45 tells us that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for the many. Jesus came to pay the price for the many. Jesus gave not just a drop of blood, but his whole life for us sinners, so that we could be redeemed, restored to the Father and to his plan, his will, his eyes. In a lot of ways, this is a mystery still to us today, as we know that we don't deserve this. But yet we see that God does know that we don't deserve this, and yet he shows us his love anyways. He sent Jesus to redeem us. We are loved by God. It was said that the ancient world was haunted by the sense of sin. Men were greatly aware of their own guilt and stood in terror of the consequences of sin. And Jesus changed all this. Jesus changed all this. You see, we celebrate that we are twice his, having been made by him and redeemed back to him. And this is in him, Jesus the Son. It is through his ransom paid, redemption, Christ's life and blood that we find the related points. In our redemption, we find number two, that we are forgiven. We are forgiven. We have forgiveness. We are forgiven. And we must live in the light of the forgiveness in which you have received. You see, God did not stop at redemption. He also emancipated us. He set us free in a way which takes away all guilt, all punishment, and the need to repay him a debt owed because Christ has paid that debt. Debt has been forgiven. His death is enough. His death is enough. God desires you to come back to him like a prodigal son coming back to a father. Seek out God in forgiveness Proclaim, Jesus, please forgive me. And by Jesus' blood, by Jesus' life, by Jesus' death, you are redeemed and you are forgiven. Paul would never forget that he was a sinner. And in his own words, he would say he is the chief of sinners. And neither should we. Instead, we must live in light of the forgiveness we have received. As I was saying earlier, it was said in the ancient world that they were haunted by a sense of sin. Men were greatly aware of their own guilt and stood in terror of the consequences of sin. But Jesus changed all this. Jesus taught men not of hate, but of the love of God. And we now know that we can have complete forgiveness of sin through him. John Calvin said of this, God puts our sins out of his remembrance and drowns them in the depths of the sea and moreover receives the payment that was offered him in the person of his holy, his only son. This idea comes straight from God's word as well. The scriptures sing in glorious harmony of the fullness of forgiveness, it's been said. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 44, 22 says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And like that prodigal son, Jesus and the angels, God, the angels, the Holy Spirit, the angels, God celebrates when one returns to him. The angels celebrate in heaven, we're told. 
Jeremiah 31, 34 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Micah 7, 19 says, You will hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Jesus then speaks of the forgiveness and source of forgiveness at the Last Supper. As Jesus says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 26, 28. And then finally, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and for forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Have you confessed your sins? Have you cried out to him? Have you proclaimed to him, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, help me. Lord, I trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. I will follow after him for all of my days. You see, this total forgiveness is something to celebrate, and that's what Paul's doing here. That's what we should do here. But let's not fail to see the next subsequent or related effect or result of our redemption, and that is his grace. We must celebrate his grace. We celebrate that his grace redeems and forgives. Our redemption and forgiveness, he says, are, I quote in verse 7b, 8a, according to the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us, lavished upon us. I just love that word, lavished. Lavish meaning extravagant. It's something abundant that he gave us. It's extravagant and abundant. When God gives according to the riches of his grace, we know that he gives from an unlimited supply, an unlimited house of treasures, the storehouses of his great grace. A theologian of the past, Charles Hodge, said of this grace, it's an overflowing abundance of unmerited love, inexhaustible in God and freely accessible through Christ. We are now eternal objects of his divine favor. Isn't that reassuring? We are eternal objects. We will live with him forever, not by condemnation, not by his wrath, not by punishment, but by his divine favor. We have an inheritance awaiting us, kingdom living in his presence in the future forevermore. And number four, we celebrate that we have spiritual discernment, wisdom, and knowledge. We are equipped for life with special wisdom for both the divine and the human things of life. In the Greek, there's two different words that describe this wisdom spoken of here. And one speaks of the divine, special knowledge God gives us of spiritual things. And one speaks more of the practical knowledge of day-to-day -day human things. We also have wisdom of the future kingdom awaiting his chosen, those blessed by his grace through Jesus the Son. Here we see Paul's final thoughts regarding our present blessings. And that it is through our redemption that we find this spiritual discernment, this wisdom. We have this wisdom and understanding from God through Jesus Christ as Lord, through his life, through his death, through his blood. Through our redemption, we have forgiveness, we have grace, and we have spiritual discernment, wisdom, and knowledge. And notice this is not of our doing. It is not something we have on our own. It is the wisdom of God which he blesses us with. God himself is revealing to us part of his will 
a mystery to us is revealed. And verse 10 says to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. But there is more to this thought of God's blessing, lavishly blessing upon us wisdom. You see, through his wisdom and understanding, we have so much more than we can comprehend. And when one's life is properly soaked in God's word, in the grace one has been given in understanding his word and will through the Spirit, one may also see that they are properly equipped to face whatever comes in life. Through his wisdom, gracefully lavished upon us, we understand right from wrong, righteous ways of God compared to the wrongful ways of the wicked or the world. And it is also through this wisdom, his wisdom that we have, that we may find strength in his word to stand up against the sinful ways and evil and choose to live for him. But, but will you use the wisdom he has so lavishly, gracefully blessed you with? I ask you that again, especially you school children. Will you use the wisdom that he has so gracefully, lavishly poured upon you? Will you make choices honoring and glorifying to God and not just simple things which, which please your selfish desires of the day or the, some boy or some girl in your life? Will you please God? I ask you adults that as well. In our jobs, out in the world, in our hobbies, will we... Use the wisdom God has lavishly, gracefully blessed us with to make righteous choices and to please him. God has blessed us greatly. Blessed be the God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, for through him we have been blessed with great heavenly spiritual blessings. We now come back to the beginning. We are redeemed, twice owned by God, made by him and bought back by him. By redemption, we have forgiveness and the freedom it brings. This is according to the riches of God's grace, undeserved yet freely given through the blood of Jesus, and we have the wisdom of God lavishly given to us. How's that for a powerful summary? It's not my words, it's God's. And knowing this wisdom, knowing this wisdom, we must live by it. Knowing this grace, we must appreciate. Knowing this forgiveness, we must also forgive. One musical artist, I believe it was Toby Mac, once said, imagine the life we would have if we would forgive others as quickly as we desire God to forgive us. And then finally, knowing this redemption, we must love God and his people. For he has first loved us, and this is commanded of us. So what do you say? Will you do these things? Knowing this wisdom, we must live by it, live by his wisdom. Knowing this grace, we must appreciate the grace. Knowing this forgiveness, we must also forgive. Knowing this redemption, we must love God and his people. Will you do these things? Yes, there will be hard times at work, at school, outside of his building, this building, or the comfort of your bedrooms. Outside these things will be hard. It could be hard to make the right choices. It will be hard to make the right choices. But choices, choices which honor and glorify him above all are the best choices to make. And you will find blessings in living according to his ways. 
We have been blessed with wisdom, grace, forgiveness. We have been redeemed, and it is time to live in accordance to these things. It is time to do hard things, make hard choices, take the risk for Christ. Jesus gave his life and blood so that you could live, so that you could have these things. But I also want you to see that God's design is to redeem a lost humanity in order to bring, verse 9 to 10, all things in heaven and on earth together under Christ. You see, this redemptive story doesn't end with us. It goes beyond us. All creation was affected by the entry of sin into the world. And now all creation groans, Scripture tells us in Romans 8, groans and waits for the adopted children of God to be revealed so that the curse of sin can be removed forever. What a glorious day to look forward to. There is a new world order coming. Mysteries have been revealed to us. We know these things through his word and the understanding we have of it through the spirit within us. Through Jesus Christ, the redemption we have, the forgiveness we have, the grace we have, the wisdom we have, the spiritual discernment we have. We have blessings in the past, the present, in the future. But we also have responsibilities. Remember these things. Live with this wisdom, this grace and forgiveness. We are a redeemed people. Paul celebrates the past, the present, and the future. Paul celebrates God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we also must celebrate. We celebrate every day and for all to witness, just like Paul but not for your glory, not for yourself, but for his. We look up. Yes, look up to the Lord, not look inward to yourself. Don't put your, your role models, don't put these leaders of this world, whether it be a sports team, a political figure, a news figure, a relative, a friend, don't put them on such a high pedestal. They are sinners just like you. We need to look up to God. Look up to, in awe to him. Then look down in humility as you recognize the lavish life you have been blessed with and humbly bow down in reverence. He has forgiven our sins and we should pour out our hearts in humble adoration to him. Praise the Lord. Celebrate his goodness. Praise the Lord. Celebrate the goodness that he has bestowed upon you. Praise the Lord for he is good and worthy to be praised. In Luke 7, an unknown woman poured out an expensive oil to anoint Jesus in humble adoration, we read. The Pharisees didn't understand these things, and Jesus said that she was lavish in her adoration because she realized, she realized how much she had been forgiven. Do we need to consider our forgiveness? Yes, I think so. Do we need to consider the adoration we give to the Lord on a daily basis? Absolutely. We must praise the Lord, for he is worthy of our praise. Celebrate your redemption. Let's bow our heads now and praise God together in prayer, in thanking him for his word, and then in one final song together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for you are good. We thank you for we are redeemed, a redeemed people set free and have forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and wisdom in him. 
Lord, thank you for all you continue to give us, to bless us with. And may we recognize that this goes beyond us. This is what you desire for all your children. And may we go out to the world and proclaim the redemption we have and they also could have through Jesus. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray now. Amen.